0: Hello, hello, Brandon Harvey here with this week's episode of Sounds Good, the podcast where every single Monday I sit down with an inspiring person and talk about happiness, overcoming struggles, and living a life of intentionality and wonder. Today, I'm so incredibly excited to introduce you to Bonnie Kate and Max Zogby. They're a sweet couple with a powerful story. In 2012, Bonnie Kate happened to be watching a movie in Aurora, Colorado, when a gunman stormed into the theater and began shooting. Bonnie Kate was shot, but she lived. And not only did she live, but she and Max have actually thrived since the shooting, despite the emotional and physical pain that comes with such a terrible experience. Their story is heavy, but they as a couple are so beautiful and positive and fun. And I know you're just going to love this, so let's just jump straight into the episode. okay I am here with Bonnie <laughs> Kate and Max in the studio you guys it's so fun to have you here
1: oh it's so good to be here such
2: an honor man thank you so
0: much mm-hmm. man so yesterday literally yesterday I was talking to Ruthie who is podcast interview number three or something she, early on in the show one of the most popular episodes just people love her <gasps> of she's the best and she's incredible
1: I love her so and, much
0: and she told me she's like you have to meet my friends. They're in town. <laughs> You'll love them. And she started sending me kind of some information on you guys and your story. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, How do I not know these people already? <laughs> oh. I love how small the world is, how many different <laughs> connections we all have. And uh-huh. man. And so you guys are currently on a big road trip in an airstream. Yep. <laughs> of sorts. Okay. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah. A for big sure. adventure. Big one. Where big. did you start and where are you heading? Or is there no and insight <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's a uh, mm-hmm. perpetual digital nomading is what, uh, <laughs> what people have called it basically um yes yeah, so the airstream thing has been full-time since basically november so almost wow. a year wow mm-hmm. and definitely stints where you know we're home back in louisiana and we'll yeah, park up like
3: friend.
2: you know in parents driveways for a few weeks mm-hmm. but um <laughs> for the most part it's just been professionally gallivanting around the country searching
1: <laughs> <laughs> gathering beautiful stories yeah
2: and gathering like stories that. and and you know doing doing freelance work and commercial work in between then to pay the bills but but yeah what really is i guess our why is um really filling ourselves with things that fill our cup and matter and mm-hmm. oftentimes that's beautiful things and and sometimes that's hard things but um not unlike the nature and the heartbeat of this podcast mm-hmm. um our mission is to capture and share those stories. So our medium is film. That's what I do. I'm a filmmaker. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, the Airstream whole, uh, whole deal is called adventure us. And so <laughs> what, what it is now is us living in it traveling. What it will be very soon is a YouTube channel.
0: Incredible. So, yeah.
1: so That's what we've been working towards is like gathering a bunch of content and stuff. So, We're super excited to uh, be launching that. Building up a good
2: good catalog, a good library. So so when we do Mm -hmm. release, we can do so weekly and kind of you know stay on top of it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. man, that's so exciting! (laughs) It
3: is.
0: It's really fun. And when is that? When are people going to be able to see all this stuff?
2: Um, I think we'll have enough to launch like early September, late August. So soon, we're on the brink. Yeah, that's really exciting. In the home stretch. Yeah, we've been been working really hard since like January, February. So Mm -hmm. it's a big, it's a big dream. Um, yeah. It's gonna be actualized soon, so it's wow. kind of you're kind of on the diving board, looking down. <laughs> yeah. You're like, all right, yeah. Is this gonna be like a belly flop or a red? No, or, I think it's. Gonna, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, gonna it, be awesome. It's gonna be graceful. I hope it
1: is. Mm-hmm. So. What does
0: it feel like to be in that place between launching this thing and creating this thing? You know, you're almost in this middle ground. Oh
1: yeah, it's like a. It, there's a weird tension there for sure. Probably for you more than for me because I see it, and I don't know. Maybe more, I'm more of an optimist, but I'm like. I don't know. I feel like really good things are about to happen, so I feel really excited. You probably feel the weight of, oh, it's not out yet. Yeah, Do you I, get it it's
2: out? Uh, you know you're you have an idea, uh, especially probably like a bigger one, yeah, a medium to big one, and you know you think about it, and for us we pray about it, and we're like, okay, what does this look like? How's this going to shake out? And you can start you know putting your head down, chipping away, and then and then things start to actualize, and and goals start to come to pass, and then. You get a little bit of momentum and then there's a setback. And so for us it's just been like like a lot like huge things have happened, but but by nature of building up a catalogue of work, it's just this like potential. It's like at the breach, like a dam, you know, with like Man. water behind it's like, oh, we just cannot wait to show people these mm-hmm. stories and people and experiences we've had and and so it's exciting, but also as as a creative and as a the creator of this content, it's like whew,
3: <laughs> like, yeah, get it off my chest. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> you know, personally, just for me, totally. But also, more more importantly, it, it's to to really incite wonder and, and, and yeah. invite people to come along with us on our on our adventures in our little tiny home. So yeah, and it it
1: came from a special place too. Like the whole idea and everything of it. Yeah. So I feel like there's a lot of pressure because one, you're a creative and you have all this stuff bottled up inside, but two. Like there's so much heart and soul mm. and dream that has gone into this. It's I yeah, don't know, kind of bigger in a yeah. way than just sharing awesome content yeah, too. It's kind of a lifeline that. for yeah. us.
0: And let's let's absolutely talk about that. But let's bring it back a little bit. Yeah, yeah. you guys are working together. You're doing incredible things. Uh-huh. But how did you meet?
1: <laughs> oh my <laughs> goodness, that's a crazy story. The
2: love story. <laughs> <laughs> on, sounds good. How do we meet, babe?
1: Oh, wow. Um, we met at church. How old were you? I was, well, technically the first time we ever met, I was 15.
0: Yeah.
2: Whoa. That,
1: and that. so <laughs> so it was really funny because.
2: And how old were you, Max? Oh, man. 15. I must have been 20 at the time.
1: Were yeah.
2: You? So she was 15. I was in 21 um, in college. Yeah. There, I mean, there's obviously nothing there. Yeah. Um, romantically uh, <laughs> because that would have been uh, what's it called oh yeah illegal uh, <laughs> no but that you know her her family is at our church and so you know I kind of just knew her family just by way of totally. doing life at church right and uh, fast forward a few years Byron you Kate's, had your eye on me Bonnie and Kate's 18 and, <laughs> um, just beautiful and
3: huh. and
2: uh, definitely caught my eye and so um, I asked her to this like this like kind of like a a survey on missions course at like a church or something like uh-huh. really unassuming, like mm-hmm. totally a uh-huh. safe place. I to had like no idea out.
1: that <laughs> he was at all interested in me at all.
2: Yeah. So, and I'll, cause I didn't want to like ask her out. Cause I just, you know, I just wanted to really start a friendship. I was like, this is a really safe, respectable way to do that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and it did. And it was great. And it was fun. <laughs> yep. and, and then, um, ended up falling in love with her. Uh, <laughs> really pretty much after one really conversation. Then, yeah. About one conversation in, I was, I was done hook, line, sinker. And then, um, <laughs> Yeah, so we dated for three weeks.
1: Barely, not even. She
2: moved to Haiti. I told her I loved her. She broke up with me.
0: I freaked
1: and, out. Yeah. I was like, "Oh my goodness!" You came so
0: along. You came on too strong. Oh, he came
1: on bro. so strong. <laughs>
0: like, bro,
1: like, I was, I was totally zero to hundred. Real
2: quick.
0: Real but
1: quick. that's what it's crazy because that's what I love about you now. But then I was like, "What is this? I've never totally. had a serious boyfriend like this." And then all of a sudden, it's like bam like I love you and we're there and I'm just like ah, I don't know what to
3: think who
2: does that three weeks in a relationship no it was only two at that point I mean like oh, I mean we're dating for two, two weeks she's 18 I'm like 23 I'm like I love you like that's a good idea of have something to say no <laughs> <laughs> the surest way to ruin her relationship oh my gosh <laughs> so
1: I ran away I got so As she should
2: have that's totally what any normal person would have done
1: <laughs> yeah um and then it was pretty hard because I ended up getting really sick when I was in Haiti mm. um And had to be sent home, and it was really hard leaving Haiti because I loved it so much there.
0: What brought you to Haiti?
1: Um, I was doing mission works there. So I was working with an organization called Respire Haiti, and um, I just fell in love with the country and the people. And so leaving was really hard. Um, And like the doctors couldn't figure out what was wrong with me it was really scary time I was in and out of the hospital mm. having all these tests done because I was like throwing up like up to a hundred times a day like oh, wow. so much
2: it's called gastroparesis
0: mm-hmm. they, a, that's
1: what they ended up diagnosing me with
0: it was a parasite induced uh, kind of like, it was like a temporary thing it's well, like you caught something
1: well this is a crazy thing so gastroparesis is like a chronic illness you're supposed to have like basically for the rest of your Kyle life there's Lyme's really disease. no cure gotcha. for it um And it was really bad. Like, I was, yeah, throwing up all the time 24-7, so I'd have to get IV fluids all the time. And um, it was really miserable. And during that same time period... My friend Elizabeth was living in Seattle, and Mm. she was going to be moving back to Louisiana. And I had committed to go on this road trip with her, and my parents are amazing. And they're like, you know what? Even though you're really sick, you should still go. You need to, like, get out, live, you know, see some beautiful things, fill your cup. And, you know, you can find hospitals or places to get IV fluids on the way if you need. But, like, just take a breath because I was really, like— so discouraged having all this happen, like being taken away from Haiti and being so sick and confused and not knowing what's going on. It was really intense. Um, And so I took this amazing road trip. Um, It was beautiful. We got to see so much of the country. Amazing. Yeah. And And you're going
0: from Louisiana to...
1: Well, Seattle to Louisiana. Oh, okay. So we spent some time in Seattle. Then we went to um, Mount Rushmore. We went to Glacier National Park. We went to... The Grand Tetons and um, Yellowstone, like, it was an amazing trip, and we ended up staying in a little town called Aurora in Colorado, and um, we were supposed to go hiking, but there was a really bad drought, and so the waterfall was all dried up, and I'm, like, the biggest wildflower fan in the entire world, mm. and <laughs> so I was really looking forward to seeing the Colorado wildflowers, but they're all, like, dried up since there was a really bad drought, so we ended up going to our hotel room early, and... Um, While we were there, like, we were trying to figure out what we wanted to do. And the lady at the front desk was like, well, there's a movie theater right down the road if you want to go see a movie. And so we decided to go see the midnight premiere of Batman, Mm. The Dark Knight Rises. Um, And, yeah, so this is where it gets pretty deep. But anyway, I was – so we went to go see a movie. And, goodness, my life was really changed that night. I was um, shot in my left knee. With an AR-15, which is like a high-powered assault rifle, and um, it's a miracle that I am still here. I didn't have um, a pulse in my leg anymore, and I lost a lot of blood, mm. and I had um, a pulmonary aneurysm and stuff. Like, so it was it was really intense, but God is so good, and I'm still here. Like, we made it through.
0: What did it feel like in that moment? In the theater? Yeah.
1: Wow. <sighs> um, this is I love. Um, getting to share this because it's not what you would expect Mm -hmm. Um, it was really uh, dark as you can imagine uh, with all the gunshots and people saying goodbye and tear gas and it was confusing because the movie was still playing and um, alarms were going off uh, and so in the middle of all that I like reached and grabbed my friend Elizabeth's hand and pulled her down beside me um, and started praying like we were crouched behind the seats and um In the midst of that, I felt like a big bang in my leg that jolted my whole body. Um, And the thing that I experienced in that moment is not what you would expect. I was um, completely overwhelmed with peace, and I don't even know how to, like, explain it, but it was just, like, God was so near to me and so real, like, He just wrapped me up in I wasn't even scared it was just this overwhelming sense of comfort and peace in the midst of literally the most horrific thing I can I can't even describe to you like it it was really hard and I you know I was hurting like I didn't think I was gonna live I was bleeding a ton but in that moment I felt so much peace and like God was just so like real like just so wow. present um it really was overwhelming and so i was started praying out loud and my friend elizabeth didn't even realize that i had um been shot because i was i had this sense of like calm about me mm. um and it wasn't that i was in shock and um like didn't realize i had been shot i was in a lot of pain um and i really didn't think i was going to make it out but like i was saying god was just holding me up in a way that i've never experienced beautiful <laughs> it was one of the most amazing things ever in in the most unlikely place you would never think that in the darkest night in the most painful horrible tragic thing i would have felt peace like no other and yeah. so and, and how did you get out of this Um, the theater?
0: Yeah. How'd you get out of the theater?
1: So that's crazy too. So I was, you know, laying on the ground whenever I was shot. And, um, what happened was, is there was a pause in the shooting, uh, James Holmes, the shooter's gun had jammed. And so everyone got up and was trying to run. And my friend Elizabeth ran, um, not knowing of course that I couldn't follow her. Like I tried to get up and my knee just completely collapsed underneath me. And, um, so I was at that point, like, I'm not going to make it out, you know? And then by God's kindness, this man, Chris Lakota, who is in another theater room, he's the only person that I know of that ran into the theater wow. besides the emergency Powerful. personnel. <laughs> yeah. So he ran into the theater and he was going after James Holmes, the shooter, and he was going to try to take his gun and, you know, disarm him, snap his neck or something like that. Intense. And um, I didn't realize this because I was facing the exit door, but um, James Holmes, the shooter was right behind me. Wow. And so Chris Lakota was going after him and, um, then he saw me on the ground and he decided to help me up. And he said that like his whole life prepared him for that one moment to make that decision to help me. And I don't know if I would be here today if he wouldn't have. Mm -hmm. So he helped me up, um, carried me out and, um, I, like, got down to the lobby, and Elizabeth met me, and then she thought—she saw us from the back, so she thought that I was helping him. She had no idea that I had been shot and that he was actually wow. helping me. And so it was, you know, intense, and we got um, outside, and they laid me on the concrete and stuff and bound up my leg um, to try to stop some of the bleeding, but it was pretty intense. And then there weren't enough ambulances because there were so many people that were shot. So they started loading up people into cop cars, and so they loaded me up into a cop car, and— um, and, oh, my goodness, like, I want to pause and just say how incredible the policemen were that night. Like, wow. I would not be here if they would not have been so brave and heroic and, you know, sped me to the hospital. Um, and then so they, I got to the hospital, and they, you know, picked me up and laid me on a stretcher and wheeled me into, like, the ER hallway. And there were so many injured people like they didn't even have rooms they were just lining us up all like on beds in the hallways and stuff and um it was really intense because like I was in a lot of pain and shaking but I still felt this like peace wow and it was so wild like um you know there were a lot of people that were injured and some of them weren't injured as severely as I was but they didn't have that sort of peace or sort of comfort. So I was just like, go help them. I am I really, like, am okay. Like, I was hurting, but I was okay in the weirdest way. That doesn't make sense, but I was. And um, a sweet thing, too, when I was in the hospital, uh, before I went into that first surgery, my, um, I, you know, of course, I didn't have my phone or anything like that. But someone in the ER gave me their phone, and I was able to call my parents and, mm-hmm. like, talk to them, and they— Prayed with me on the phone and um, read to me one thing that is like stands out and is really cool is uh, for some reason my mom just randomly turned to I think Matthew 6 where it talks about like letting your light shine, which is kind of odd, but it was so. Um, relevant to the next, like, couple weeks and months of, like, my life because so many people kept being like, like, I don't understand, Bonnie Kate. Like, how are you smiling? Like, you're so – you have so much light. And I was able to be like, let me tell you about light. Like, it's mm. not just me. It's something inside of me. That's and I powerful. really felt like, – <laughs> I really felt like that. and um,
0: So, Max, what was going on in your world that same night? What was happening?
2: So, the whole – Haiti dating, coming on strong, breaking up fiasco <laughs> happened in March. And so this was in July. So like about four months had gone by. I hadn't really talked, you know, like not really doing life with any people from her family. And
1: and you know, we were really close too. like,
2: yeah, like the all break- my
1: brothers and sisters loved him and mm. our family was tight.
2: Yeah. And so I hadn't really seen their family, you know, or talk, spoken to them in months or her. And I uh, was trying to go to sleep that night. Um, it was a Thursday night July 19th -hmm. so night night of the 19th in 2012 and I just couldn't get to sleep which is never an issue for me I pretty much can fall asleep yeah Max sleeps Mm -hmm. like a bear (laughs) like last night we were camping I fell asleep in my truck like instantly and um, anyway so I was that night I was pretty restless and got on Twitter and saw this hashtag about shooting in this theater and you know at the time sadly it's not the case anymore it seems like there's one of these every week now but at the time that was really the first shooting if you remember since Mm -hmm. like you know like Columbine. Exactly. You know what I mean like it stands out I mean all of them of course stand out and they're all horrible and tragic in their own right but this one just by nature of frequency seemed to be like the first one in a long time. Yeah. And so I'm like you know wow this is awful like this is geez like this is just terrible And looking at the hashtag and just getting all the information on it and Something in my mind recalled this Facebook post I had seen on my feed before. I was in my studio that afternoon of her friend Elizabeth, and she posted, Going to see um, Batman with Bonnie Kate. We're in Colorado. And it just like, jumped in my brain. I was like, Huh. I was like, Well, Batman's in Colorado. I was like, Ah, I was like, This is obviously not them. But my brain just started racing as it tends to do, and my imagination got the better of me. And so I texted Elizabeth, and I was like, Hey, Elizabeth, hope your road trip's going well. Um, I just saw this on Twitter. I'm sorry. I know it's like one in the morning. This is really awkward, but um, I just want to make sure this wasn't y'all. And, and she didn't text me back, and I called her, and she didn't answer. And I was like, hmm. So I texted Bonnie Kate. Again, we were broken up, so it's a pretty awkward thing to do. And didn't answer, called her, didn't answer. And I was like, oh, that's weird. So then I you know texted Bonnie Kate's mom. I was like, hey, Miss Kathleen, Like, I know it's 1 o'clock in the morning. Sorry to wake you up, but I saw this on Twitter. I, I don't, I'm not trying to scare you. I, I know this isn't them, but... Um, I just wanted to check just to see uh, just because my imagination is kind of getting the better of me. And, and then her mom called me and was like, um, actually, Bonnie-Kate's been shot. And we don't really know if she's going to make it t- through the night. It's pretty critical. Um, we're planning on flying there as soon as we can. And, you're, you know, what you what you see is, is what happened. And I was just like, like in that moment, it was just like, uh, it's it's just surreal. If you're on that side of that kind of news, um, you know, you're asking, I think you're asking why initially, uh, mixed with shell shock. And then you're just like, what's then you're thinking what's going to happen next. And so I really just found myself on my knees in that moment, being thankful she was alive. And so any mm-hmm. heartbreak that was there by way of, you know, our, our short, but <laughs> you know, deep relationship, at least on my side was gone. I just was able to really move past that very quickly And be like, life's too short to really hold grudges or to, you know, complain about being heartbroken like she's alive and she almost wasn't and she might not make it through the night. And so I just want to be thankful she's alive. Mm -hmm. And so me and my roommates, we got up and we prayed and um, I just felt I just felt a real strong, compelling. um, I just I felt very convicted that I needed to go to her parents' house. And so I did at like three in the morning and just was there with them and with her i'm the
1: oldest of seven so wow (laughs) yeah so all my siblings were really thankful to have him like back and um when my parents came to be with me in colorado max was there the whole time we were
2: yeah i just i just felt like i needed to be a friend and so that was something i wasn't able to do our first time around dating i was you know obviously had um my emotions led me astray and, and looking past a friendship I wanted much more than that. But in this moment I was just like, what would a friend do? I was like, a friend would show up. Mm-hmm. A friend would just be there and help cook and say nothing or say the right thing or just exist in that space of being available. And so that's what I did. And yeah, for a few weeks, she was in Colorado after that for a while and we didn't really talk. She wouldn't let me go visit her at the hospital.
1: <laughs> I, uh, so one thing too is like the last time we had talked
2: prior to the shooting
1: prior to the shooting it was really intense
2: I gave her the business
1: <laughs> it was really hard I was like
2: you broke my heart and, this <laughs> and is I wild. was like <laughs> and I
1: yeah I didn't understand because I was 18 and I was just like well, like, why can't you just be, if you can't be friends with me, if it's too painful to be friends with me, just be friends with my brothers and sisters. Like,
2: Like you live in the same house. I can't go over there. (laughs) I like,
1: it was just a really intense conversation.
2: (laughs) That too, like that really stuck out because like in that moment when when her mom called me and I found out she was shot, I was just like, wow, like the last conversation I had with her could have potentially been awful. Mm. And so there's just really no time here, I think on earth for bitterness and for unkindness. Like it re- that really shook me up. I was like, and so I've really made it a point and may, almost maybe too much, but to really make sure that like interactions I have with people, like if, if it were to be my last with them to really, you know, like well, that's my yeah. mom and we're talking and, and I, I by no means have like perfected this or conquered this in a way I, I, I hope to one day, but like, it, that stuff matters, you know? Like, I mean, I, I I don't know who I'd be right now if, like, that was the last conversation I had with Bonnie Cave. She had died in the theater that night, and the last conversation I had was me just, like, venting my brokenheartedness because I was being, you know, ridiculous. <laughs> mm-hmm. No. So it just it really just... I, but, I learned a lot in that moment of, like...
1: And I did, too. So after I got, you know, shot, I was frustrated because I was like, oh, so now this big thing happens and he wants to be my friend again. Oh. I didn't. I was... Like being silly and um, needed some space because I didn't really see where he was coming from, and the last time we talked was really intense.
2: Comma, also, she just got shot. The yeah,
1: <laughs> there's a lot yeah. going on.
2: <laughs> I was like, um, I was like, of course you can have space. get yeah. as much space as you want. <laughs> yeah, <it was>, he yeah. <laughs> almost just died in a massacre. You can do whatever you want. You can tell but, me to never come around. It's
3: fine.
1: But after he was consistently just loving on my family and being a friend to me, um, I was like you know maybe we can be friends and i remember seeing him like i was in the hospital for like over a month and so whenever i got home it was really big deal um when i came home and the first time i got home he was there and i hadn't let him come to the hospital or anything and i remember looking at him and saying we need to talk um, I said that. no i thought i said that i said that you did well i was thinking it i, 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 I
2: kind of hugged around just like I'm so glad you're alive, and this isn't important but at some point if you want to talk it, we can but there's really no rush you have you have so much to deal with she's like mm-hmm. right she's like learning how to walk NPT pt it was legs really slowly, intense. You know, yeah,
1: like really you yeah i've had like seven surgeries so chronic pain far.
2: heavy medication wow. I mean, it was like it was hell there for a good year you know so yeah
1: but then you didn't talk to me for a while but <laughs> oh. we we talked and i remember that first conversation was so healing and freeing and good because i was able to understand where he was coming from and he was able to understand where i was mm. coming from cuz I am such a people pleaser. I realized, like, I did not communicate very well. Like, oh, this is, you're coming on really strong. and I'm overwhelmed and kind of freaked out. I literally just freaked out and was like, I, I can't do this. So it was really good, um, like, just being able to talk and understand each other better. And yeah. then I was like, we can just, we can really be friends. And then that's whenever I slowly was like, went from, like, I'm really thankful to have you as a friend to being like, oh, my goodness. I really like you. You're really Whoa. cute. Yeah, slowly ZoA. So, uh, and then one day, I don't remember where we were. I think we were I was sitting on the couch and I was like, I really want to kiss you. And you know what he said? He said, no, you can't kiss me. And I was like, We'd never what? Kissed. Yeah. And <laughs> it was really funny.
3: Wow. Well,
1: I felt really embarrassed.
0: Was that the first time you'd like expressed that? Oh yeah, for sure. Whoa. To a boy ever.
1: Yeah. yeah. So I was just like straight up like, hey, I really like you. Like, I want to kiss you or and something I, and I'm right? just
2: like in this space of like you know you're alive you just went through this you know tragically horrific <laughs> trauma mentally and emotionally and spiritually and really just in this space of trying to really just be a friend and and I think when when that's your mindset like it's really easy to to push down or set aside maybe desires that you'd have for more than friendship so that's where I was. I was re- I mean it re- it really was not a priority. It was like a distant prayer of like hey man, you know what? Like if this worked out great, yeah. but like so glad she's alive and like I really just want to be as altruistic and as like service oriented as I can be and,
1: and That's what won me over. No pressure. Mm. The no pressure thing because you know, before I was like so much pressure and then Yeah. Oh,
2: I was just glad she was alive. Like yeah. that, that that near miss experience, that concept of like an, a near miss mm-hmm. is it, I mean it just it shapes you in ways you can't really anticipate and so for me it was a focus on friendship and service which cultivated a, a safe place to become friends without really an expectations and like I'm talking about like real friends yeah like, not like kissing friends not like hanging out going on date friends just like doing life together yeah once a like week friends. Yeah. you yeah know, like catching you know taking her home from PT friends or mm-hmm. yeah or hanging out, out with, with brothers yeah, family, family. Totally. friends you know what I mean just like totally. true friendship and I think that's that's a really fertile ground for for dating, yeah. to, For a dating relationship to be born, and and then eventually mm-hmm. an engagement and marriage. So, so, so it's just interesting how how I mean, honestly, if the tragedy wouldn't have happened, she probably would have gone off to college somewhere, and
1: yeah, I'd no. be we definitely. Mm. I don't think we would. have
2: You know, I'd be married to someone terrible, and you know, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, probably but, would still be single. No one else is going to put up with me. Be honest, that's <laughs> not true. Let's just be honest. I'd be living in an airstream by myself, and it'd be, it'd be really ugly. <laughs> Uh, So homeless video creative person.
0: (laughs) So help me close this gap between your attempted first kiss, where you were like, "Let's kiss," and you saying no, to
2: when your actual first kiss happened.
1: Oh, I love that first kiss. Um, Okay, so it was. Yes, we
2: hadn't really kissed. We, I think we had held hands once in Haiti, but it was not well received.
1: I was freaking out when I was back then. It was but was so awkward. So well. I, had, I said that, and then a good bit of time went by, and I was like, oh, that's so awkward. Why did I do, say that? But I definitely liked him, and I knew deep down that he liked me too, but I think he was just being really cautious and careful. Yeah. Um, okay, so MMA was – my sister was rehearsing for this hymn sing, I think.
2: The choir practice. And mm-hmm. so
1: I went with Max to go take her, and um, – this is the best. So my great grandparents, whom I just adore, they're the sweetest couple in the entire world. Um, have this beautiful little southern home with gorgeous big live oaks in the front. So we dropped that, off
2: that her great grandfather planted. Yeah, wow, like yeah, eighty years ago. Yeah,
1: he lived to be a hundred, um, and they're you know, they were married for a, a long time. Yeah,
2: he like, passed a few years back, mm-hmm. but she's still alive. She's ninety-three. My
1: great grandmother. But anyway, so she's amazing we went to their house and we were sitting on the front porch like waiting for Emma's practice to be over and um it was beautiful like it was a full moon and so the moonlight was like dancing through the live oak trees and we're sitting on my great grandparents wicker furniture on their front porch and um like we were kind of sitting next to each other and then Max said hey Do you want to be my girlfriend? And I was like, yes. And then I said, does that mean I get to kiss you? And he said, no. And I was like, what? I felt so embarrassed. I remember just, like, covering my hands with my face. And then he pulled me closer. And he was like, but I get to kiss you. Whoa. And that was our first kiss. It was so magic. It was great. forever go down in history is the best first kiss ever, I think. It was awesome. Mm So good. Yeah. And then. That was November 2012. mm -hmm. Yep. And then we got married. Uh, May 2014. Yep. Wow. So, uh huh. Yeah. Year got, and a half later. Mm-hmm. It's
0: exciting. And, it
1: was so fun.
0: And tell me a little bit about the proposal because oh my goodness. So your proposal went viral. It was a it's
1: very epic proposal. It's over the top. See that's who Max <laughs> is though. Everything <laughs> so is the to the max. Over the top. E- epic. Crazy. Something that probably would go viral because it's Max. <sighs> but yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. I was. Um, I was really just exploring the idea of, like, it was, like, I understood at the time, I understood, the, like, you know, the, the wedding and, you know, the season of engagement, and obviously the wedding itself is, is more about the bride. I was like, but the engagement, like, that's the groom's thing. like, and I, and I really wanted that to be an expression of who I was and or am at the time, and also something really honoring to her and special. So I was just exploring the idea of trying to redeem the space that she almost died in Um, movie theater, which is also the space that potentially if I continue in this career that I would maybe make a debut in someday. Right. That's kind of the the penultimate of of the filmmakers goal is to to have um, their work on the, on the silver screen as it were. So, so yeah, I really wanted to explore that. So, I was saving up for a ring and talked to her parents, um, went to this film conference called Masters in Motion in Austin and had the workings, right? Had the kind of the constellation pieces of, a, of an idea, and then the lines started to connect, and then it kind of became more of a reality. After this conference, I had some pretty crucial conversations with some key filmmakers I looked up to for a while that kind of gave me the confidence I needed to try to execute this crazy idea. So I wrote this short film that essentially was a frame story for for like a a fake romantic comedy so it was like a rom a rom-com type trailer that was about this guy who is helplessly in love with this girl and trying to plan this epic date for her and it was just ridiculous and over the top and (laughs) and um and i wanted to shoot it and then edit it and then premiere it as an actual trailer in a movie theater um amidst other trailers so it just felt very natural and then have it uh, at the end of it have, have the the main guy who of course was a caricature of me um, kind of break the fourth wall. And what the were the screen. names of these people again?
1: Oh yeah, it's like uh,
2: so I'm Max, and then the character is Mac. <laughs> yep. And then the girl was Katie. And it was funny because the girl yeah, I ended Bonnie up Kate. our girl I ended up casting looked so similar to Bonnie Kate. Yeah, she did. Her name was Jory <laughs> McDonald. She's an incredible actress. And the guy who played me was a good buddy of mine. Um, bradley cook um b scott cook as he goes by and so it was just this kind of like i th- I remember just being in starbucks like writing up the script and i never like done a short film before and like i was like how am i gonna do this and so i just started like you know like when you have an idea and no money you just start reaching for anyone and everybody totally. assets you're like can somebody help me do this and and so um my buddies at contrast film uh geordie wax and chase smith uh, i was like hey guys like this is kind of what i want to do and I'd love to knock it out. Mind you, this is like the holidays, right? This is like Christmas and New Year's. It's like everyone's out of town and busy and spending time with family. And they're like, yeah, we'll do it for free and so we shot, for wow. th- we, shot for,
3: amazing. we
2: shot for three days with like a full I and mean, we had like gaff. we had like a good 20 person crew and like wow it, like everyone worked for free did you suspect
0: anything Bonnie Kate
1: no I had no idea I, I totally knew a lied to her
2: okay yeah I was like I was like they want me to like work on this film and like help di- co-direct it I was like it's weird and then she's like that's really cool can I come to set and I was like no <laughs> you know <'cause>, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't want her to recognize anything totally <laughs> so but- l- literally I mean it's just crazy like we shot it, like, January 2nd, 3rd, and 5th. I edited it in, like, 36 hours. Didn't sleep. And then I didn't realize that in order to premiere in a movie theater, you have to have it in a certain format, a certain movie file, mm. codec is what it's called. And so it's called DCP. And so that process typically takes, like, four weeks.
3: What? Oh, yeah.
2: So I have this whole plan, the whole the whole theater plan. I, like, got in, in touch with Cinemark, and they approved it, and had, you know, the... the all these moving parts right like the the movie theater and the restaurant like like all these ideas the like like whole like a film film, an adventure creative film the whole thing yeah to get to yeah, yeah like, i mean you know pro- proposal i just wanted i wanted it to be an adventure i wanted it to be like a like a you're going to remember this forever we're going to tell our kids about this and like you know like we're going to video it just so we can have it for our kids i, I had really no intention of sharing it now, i'll get to that in a second so I'm editing it, and I get it to where I want it, the trailer, where I think it looks believable. You know, like, like, Jordy and Chase are amazing filmmakers and totally. amazing camera techs, and so it looked filmic. It looked
0: it, really good. Yeah, it looked
2: like a rom-com, like a low-budget indie yeah. rom-com. And um, they're like, yeah, there's no way this is going to happen. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, you're be kidding me. <laughs> so, basically, I, I talked to this guy, Ryan, at this um, this film house in Texas, and I'm like, hey, it's fourth quarter. I need you to work overtime. I need you to make this happen because you're either going to do it or I'm going to drive the Texas and make you do it. I was like, I was like, I was like, I need. I just, I, I'm like, I'm a dude trying to do a thing. and I need your <laughs> help, please. And he was like, I'm in. He's like, Are you incredible. So, long story short, basically, I sent him all the movie files from my end. He converted them, sent them back to me on my end. The day I'm proposing to her. The day. <laughs> I get the I get the movie files. They they finish downloading overnight. It's six different files from like Dropbox, Google Drive, every type of streaming service you could imagine, you send it. Get all six of them on a little flash drive. Drive to the theater. They plug it in. It works. I drive and go pick her up. Unreal.
0: Unreal.
1: Wow. Zero margin for error.
2: Man. Zero margin for error.
0: And it It was literally
1: perfect.
2: Yeah. And so I pick her
0: up. Bonnie-Kate, were you suspecting anything?
1: No. Well, okay. So I was actually so sad because I was expecting a proposal, But they had faked that my sister had gone back to L.A. And I was like, he's not going to do it without my sister So her her
2: youngest, her next young, Madeline, her next younger sister um, was in town because she was living in Los Angeles. And so it was crucial that all her siblings were in town. So she was in town for the holidays. And New Year's is done. So Madeline's moving back to L.A. And so Madeline wakes up that morning at 4 it was the cruelest thing oh. <laughs> she leaves she comes hangs out with me all day at my studio and she's so, like she's like Kate has no idea like, That's i was so good. crying
1: on the way to oh. the theater because i was like so sad little did i know that they were all hiding waiting for me to get out of the theater <laughs> and they had like so anyway yeah it
2: was fun it was great so madeline made ever all made her flower crown and mm-hmm. and we went into the theater and, and everyone was like waiting and like for this big human tunnel afterwards and so we're in the theater yeah. and I have a couple guys filming it for me while we're in oh. there and I like I have a microphone hidden on my like lapel and yeah. and the, ho- the whole thing happens and it was really it was just really redemptive mm-hmm. it was really magical The video
0: plays and what's at one point cuz it's showing your reaction in the video that I watched oh, you yeah. say you say what is this
1: Yeah, what is going <laughs> through your mind I remember <laughs> being like This feels like Max. Like, this feels like Max made this. I remember saying at one point, like, did you make this? And he was like, no, I wish. And and I was like.
2: Which wasn't entirely a lie because there's a lot of people that made it. (laughs) It was was definitely a team effort. uh
1: (laughs) But anyway, so I was like, I was very suspicious, especially because one of the dresses that were in it was. Um, one of my childhood dress up dresses and I was like there's no way but then I was still in shock like I was just yeah. like is this really happening like is this really for me and then it, the camera directly goes and it's like Bonnie Kate like this is real and I remember like sinking in my chair it was really special it head. was
2: special too because it was like all the casting crew that helped me film it were in there so wow. everyone in the theater
1: started cheering and I was like what is happening as, as
2: well as a bunch of strangers going to see Hunger Games like,
3: yeah because <laughs> I
1: the, thought we were the, going to the, see Hunger the, Games
2: they're, they're all just like what's Happening, everyone like what's going on, but hey. it was really special in that moment to like redeem that space where she almost died. Like, it was I'll never forget it. Like, we walked out and like mm-hmm. she got to go on this epic adventure, and yeah.
1: Because like, the proposal didn't stop there, yeah, that was only the beginning, man. Because then after that, he hands Max hands me a letter and like puts me in a car, and I'm like, wait, where am I going?
2: I, I would have proposed there, but I knew that she wanted the actual proposal to be alone. And Mm. so that wasn't really a possibility in the theater. Mm -hmm. So I was like, you know what, like let's just own it. Like let's just make it like an hour and a half adventure. And and you know, so I was with her at the beginning, and then she kind of got to go and spend a moment with her brothers, which was important.
1: Mm. Yeah, at our first state place,
2: which is kind of like a metaphorical goodbye to her brothers, and then with her sisters getting dressed, which is important. They help get
1: ready. And this is another side note. I um, always wanted to get to propose to in a yellow dress because my great grandmother, the one that. We first had our first kiss on their front porch. She one time told me, like, that Papa, my great grandfather, fell in love with her when she was wearing yellow. Wow. And so I was like, I want to be wearing yellow whenever. Um, a yellow so he, like, flew in this beautiful, floor length, yellow, perfect gown that fit like a glove.
2: Yeah, that's from London or something.
1: And and it was just, like, so magical. I got to get ready. And then, um, went,
2: that too, I, want, I just wanted to give her time to be like, a time to process it you and know? soak mm-hmm. it up, really soak in the moment. So uh-huh. Like, okay, like she's driving, and then she's with her brothers. Yeah, and, she's with her and there's like
1: little notes at each place that I go to, and oh, it was so special. You know, like not getting to see you, and then like a, we go to my after my got ready with my sisters. We went to my great grandparents' house, and all my parents were there, and I was like, oh, it's getting, it's gonna happen, and then it was really sweet. So they like,
2: they like pray with her, and then she uh-huh. walked on her own to the back of the barn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was
1: really sweet because. Uh, in that barn, that's where my grandfather proposed to my grandmother. Wow. And, yeah, it was most magical, perfect and, and And
2: that, and that too, like, that part, I me mean, actually proposing and the things I said, I, I didn't want to share that. Like, I thought that was really cool, It like cut out. Yeah, uh-huh. like, it was a lot... Of, I know a lot of people wanted to see that, but I was just like, that's our moment, and, like, you know, uh-huh. like, you get to see the before and after, but, like, that actual right. moment was, well, was just you, for us.
0: You're an incredible filmmaker, and so <laughs> you built this whole thing... And it was all about, you know the the most beautiful moment was you guys coming out of that experience. Yeah. You know, the, there was the build up, and then uh-huh. you, you
2: know what happens in there, right? And
0: then, you, and then you come out, and that's where like the relief comes. That's where it like is. the good feelings start
2: to uh-huh. really bubble. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, I, I really struggle with that in the edit because honestly, you know when you're making something, you're you're invariably thinking of who it's for, right? Totally. You're thinking about your target audience and or audiences, and so as I was making it, I really was making it for. For us and our family and our friends. And I I cut it together for our rehearsal dinner. So I proposed in January. We got married in May. So I had like four months to kind of piddle around with it. And I showed it at our rehearsal dinner, the initial cut, and everyone was like weeping.
1: He was like, you have to share this.
2: Like You have to put this online. And I was like, oh, I was like, I really wasn't. Yeah, I really wasn't. And so that that moment was really, you know, um, I just felt like, you know, the first edit, like people knew what happened anyways. So why...
1: You and know? it was special, too, because it was a vulnerable place for you because that was kind of your – the whole proposal was, in a way, Max working through everything that happened and, like, mm. reconciling it, trying to redeem a really intimate space. Yeah, so it was a, a, a really intimate piece, you know, um, yeah. and because it's our love story. But it ended up being a really good, beautiful thing and hopefully it has encouraged and inspired I think, a lot of people. I think
2: there's just this thing in in the digital age where – I'm always kind of thinking, like, you know, in 50 years when my Facebook is a whatever, like a, I don't, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like totally. Like we're gonna have this digital graveyard of sorts, and so and so. I really think about okay, when my kids are having kids, you know, like I want them to be like, man, well, grandpa. You know, like I just wanted to leave something behind for them. And we don't mm-hmm. have kids yet, so this could all be for naught. But but I I just really wanted to leave something behind for them because I'm always thinking in a hundred year. You know gaps that's kind of how I think, and also too, I just it was like Bonnie Kate was saying, it was a bit of a journal for me like i mm. I needed to do that for me as much for her. you know I wanted to honor her, but I also really wanted to try to get a, a bit of goodness back in that space of the theater and then and then just have fun, you know um, and, and a fun scavenger hunt because it's always fun, so
1: So it's pretty awesome. It was yeah. fun,
2: yeah,
0: that's beautiful uh-huh. and you got married, yeah how long have you been married now?
1: Two over two years now. Over two Two years,
0: years, two months. What have you guys learned in the last few years? You're new, newlywed,
3: aren't
0: you? Nine months in (gasps) on on Monday.
1: Yay! Heck yeah. It's the most amazing and hard thing. Like, I feel like we've had a really, really intense first two years of marriage just because there have been so many situationally hard things. Like, um, me dealing with chronic pain and having all these other weird illnesses and things that have come out of i don't know if it's medication or surgeries or whatever it's just you know we've had a lot going Mm -hmm. on and then i had to testify in court and you know that was really intense like seeing the guy who tried to kill me and like there there have been really intense situational things that have happened so i feel like we've had kind of like a crash course of like working things out and communicating and um loving each other well i think Let's see. Some of the biggest things.
2: This can easily be a third party.
1: Your phone? Yeah, Yeah. he's holding up his phone. (laughs) Yeah,
2: Yeah. sorry. For those of you who can't see what's happening. (laughs) Yeah, you can just, like, easily spend 15 minutes, like, okay, Snapchat, Instagram, Instagram story, (laughs) Vine, uh, Twitter, email. (laughs) You know, it's, like, that can so easily be a numbing agent Mm -hmm. just to, like... Not and and you miss an opportunity for intimacy, mm-hmm. and you can easily justify it if your creative is like, oh, I'm doing work or I'm replying to tweets or oh, I'm emailing. It's like no, you're not like you're just like looking at random crap. <laughs> but, so so that's that's definitely been just like a like a constant like you know like pursuing
1: just, each other. I feel like that's a big thing is uh, taking time to like celebrate each other mm-hmm. and really focus on. Yeah, have romantic moments and special dates, but also just, like, being friends mm. and, you know, continuing to, like, pursue each other and love, totally. love each other. Um, and, yeah, forgiveness. That is, like, one of the most important things, I think, is, like, you know, we're all broken and hard to be around sometimes. And situationally, things are going to be hard at times. So, like, putting aside your own feelings and emotions, giving the person you love the benefit of the doubt and, like, really choosing to love them. Like, my mom always says that love starts with the letter S. (laughs) She's Mm. like, it's sacrifice, it's service, it's, you know, putting the other person before your own needs at times and them doing the same thing for you. Um,
2: I think something that's really interesting, too, kind of in 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 this space. So I think imagining some worst case scenarios for marriage is helpful Hmm. because I think a lot of, a lot of what shapes, like a lot of milestones that potentially shape the course of a marriage are often reactionary. So if you say, okay, well let's just go through the scenario of like I'm diagnosed in the terminal or let's go through the scenario and it's not fun. These are also, these are really deep things, but let's just go through the scenario of like, you know I'm injured and can't work, and we're struggling like really poor. Let's go to the scenario of like infidelity, and let's let's put ourselves emotionally in that space to see how we might react. Because I feel like if you're there and you can spend time with yourself, and for us like with God there in that moment, even hypothetically, if and when something like that were come to pass, you've kind of already been there, so you can really choose how to react. Like if I were mm. if I were to really mess up in some crucial way and tell Biden and Kate that, and then she just were sort of like. You know, like totally, just slip <laughs> out, like and like. I mean, I would, I would not feel safe to come in the future with something even bigger and scarier. Yeah, and like bad. giving. Totally.
1: It's important. I feel like to give each other safe spaces to like be honest and vulnerable because, like, even if it's painful at times, like the most beautiful and freeing thing is like being completely honest and known and still loved. And wow. you know, that is. Like so important, like.
2: So just thinking, just through
1: talking that. with each other, mm-hmm. like about everything—hard things, big things, little things—laughing, like those.
2: And I think yeah, I, I think even something as simple as saying like, "Hey, I need to tell you something hard, and I need I need you to give me grace to try to get it out the right way. Maybe mm. maybe she's calling me out, or maybe I'm calling her out on something lovingly, right? Or maybe it's maybe we're confessing something that's just been going on that we're struggling with. It's like, hey, like. I just need you to give me a safe space to enter into and, to, and then communicate. And I think just priming the pump with that request and, you know, like praying beforehand can really be beneficial, you know, uh, the other side of that would be like coming home from work after a long day and you're like, oh, uh, and we're fighting and then like, you know, like something triggers and do the dishes ah, you know, and like, ah, we'll do this, you know what I mean? As opposed to like, Hey, like let's intentionally set aside 30 minutes or an hour or two hours and like engage in this hard dialogue.
1: Or just be together, lighthearted. Yeah, even if it's True. not hard. Yeah, but I
2: just think I was just thinking that's just. That's really good. Yeah, that's really good advice,
0: you guys. <laughs> and and so you've taken this terrible moment, you've redeemed it, and you're continuing to kind of redeem it by going on this adventure. <laughs> yeah, and and you described this thing that you're doing as these films you're making, these people you're meeting, this content you're creating as. F- things that fill your cup. Yeah. How can you break down what filling your cup means?
1: Yeah, I will. It, it's, I think
2: starting would be helpful to break down why, why you have the need to fill your cup.
1: Yeah. 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 Um, so yes, yeah, so
2: it's just been four years. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. So, so I live like day to day basis in, um, have really intense chronic pain, uh, it's constant, and, you know, every day is really hard. Getting out of bed, choosing to push through, choosing to walk, choosing to smile, put on my clothes and, you know, oh, take a deep breath is, like, hard. Everything kind of comes at a cost. And so it really does motivate me, like, and it's almost necessary in a lot of ways um, to focus on beautiful things and also mm. things that fill my cup, Um, Otherwise, I don't think I could keep doing it. I couldn't do it for sure without Max. Um, But also, too, like, having, uh, like, the ability to, I don't know, use our passions and the ways God's made us to work and, like, somehow make a living and pursue that. Like, that sort of dream is really good because it's hard not being able to do normal life things without, like, it's just really challenging, like, I can't have a normal job, and so like there's a lot of lot tied up into adventuress and um, filling our cup because it's kind of necessary to me, like surviving and even more thriving. The
0: stakes are high. Yeah, exactly. You know,
1: Rosemary, our little airstream is literally like our silver lining. You know, Mm. Um, so the things that fill my cup are number one, being with this guy, um, traveling in new places new smells um food like making food for people mm-hmm. or with people um
2: good conversation
1: yeah
2: uh-huh <laughs> podcast yes with cool folks
1: and music so um oh, music it's so good a
2: great city for music nashville mm-hmm.
1: yeah we've gotten so many
2: so much talent it's in, it's insane
1: <laughs> it insane. really is so like those are some things that really making making yeah, yeah. making yeah, yeah. um
2: yeah. So, so to kind of give you context, I mean, she said she's in chronic pain. I mean, like y- you can hear it if you're listening to her voice, how you know bright and bubbly she sounds and she is, but beneath that, there's a lot, you know, mm-hmm. um, like when you see a duck gracefully going across a pond, like you don't see the feet underneath kicking really hard to swim. And so that's, that's Bonnie Kate. She has this, this innate elegance and grace about her, but it comes at a really hard cost. And I have a front row seat to that. And it's is a privilege, you know, and also a lot to carry as well. And so, so seeing her hurt all the time um, is extremely difficult. But um, kind of like, you know, Diamond, it only comes from pressure. This, this hyper-contextualized ongoing trauma, you know, well, years after the news has died down, you know, the shooting is, is not really thought about anymore. And, you know, Biden and Kate lives with this chronic pain. And we, we were exploring this idea of, like, okay, like, what can we do? Like, what can we share as a vision as, as a husband wife, because you know, m- most people in my industry and by no means am I saying that like, I don't want to do this one day or it's wrong to do this or I'm looking down on folks who do this at all. But most of it, it's like, you know, you're working with other filmmakers and you're, you're traveling a lot. You're not home a lot. And so I just knew in our story that w- wasn't really a good option for Bonnie Kate. Cause when she's alone, that's hard because her yeah. pain kind of comes front and people Help mm-hmm. me
1: like push through because exactly. they can mm-hmm. distract me from pain. Um, it's really hard for me to be by myself because the pain is like louder. In a way, if that makes so,
2: sense. So, so I really, I was like, okay, well, you know, Bonnie Kate can't really work on her own, you know, just because of her her knee and her pain. So, how can we combine our gifts and our passions and our and our vision as a, as a couple and and do life and work together? And I think it's it's easier now than ever with mm. how with how amazing and how available and how democratized making content is, you know, through the internet. So. That's what we kind of started dreaming and praying about, and,
1: and it, it started with an Irish dream. Well, it, even before that, it all came about because of the proposal video that Max made. Yeah. Because YouTube reached out to us and was like, hey, you guys should think about—
2: Making a channel.
1: Yeah, and it was really such an answer to prayer and perfect timing because we're like, we do not really want to settle in Baton Rouge yet. That's where um, we're from,
2: Baton Rouge. Okay. We love Baton Rouge. I love Baton Rouge. Yeah, we yeah. just didn't want to settle there yet. We're yeah. not
1: ready. Um just
2: got married, don't have kids yet. You don't know, want to bounce around and
1: you're like, "What are we What are we going to do?" Or like, "How do we make so the most of this?"
2: So yeah, so just kind of like put it in like one sentence. It's like you know, fell in love, broke up, shooting happened, fell in love again for real, both sides this time. <laughs> and ended up proposing, filmed the proposal, it took off. I did it as a journal to myself, but ended up offering it to the world. People seemed to like it, which put us in a position to have a relationship with YouTube, which put us a position to meet all sorts of cool folks like we are here are here now with you. And amidst all that, you know, Bonnie Kate's dealing with chronic pain, which is always pushing us to seek light and beauty in all things. And then we get a phone call last January from the DA's office in Colorado that said, Hey, Bonnie Kate, you have to testify in court. You have to come to court, tiny little courtroom, see James Holmes, see his parents, see other victims, see the judge and tell your story in person otherwise legally it's as if you weren't there so so we decided to do it so hard and so it was kind of this looming deadline on our calendar for like six months and I said you know what we're going to buy an Airstream and we're going to flip it and pour our guts into it and our anxiety into it
1: we're gonna live in it and We're travel it the and world. we travel
2: mm. and we'll make videos. And I don't really know. It was very it was very intangible. It was very vague. It was this is before yeah. YouTube reached out. And so as that was happening, the trial was happening, the video was kind of Wildflower. wildflower video was taking off and it kind of all just happened and then we started you know, kind of chiseling in a, I guess a business model or, or a, a brand, um, which became Adventure Us and that's our that's kinda of how we got to where we are. Crazy. Uh, it's crazy <laughs> beautiful <laughs> it, it's exciting it is so it everything is in the airstream cool. is like repurposed And you or... have to
1: come meet our airstream her name's rosemary yeah.
2: i would love that yeah, yeah we would love to host you we just kind of like picked up pallets off the side of the road and took them apart and built with them uh-huh. got a got couch our... from goodwill
1: and... yeah, we've made it work it's a special
2: yeah cozy my good space. buddy um my good buddy jacob trish with uh revival supply company out of dallas he came and built um, these amazing shells underneath, like did all the all the fancy woodwork that like I couldn't do, you know. But other than that, it was just like my dad and Monica mom and Google, and trying to and figure it out. A lot of trips to Home Depot That's and what I do? <laughs> uh-huh. So
0: man, fun. so yeah, it's such an exciting journey to be on. I love that, and <laughs> I think that the redemptive and poetic part of that is it's so encouraging and refreshing. And, <laughs> I love your intentionality that's gone into this. Mm.
2: Thanks, man. Thank you. We'll see. Excited to share
0: it. Every episode, I love to ask my guests a few questions. And so I would love to just wrap up by asking you these. Yes. My first question is, how would you describe the kind of person that you most admire in the world?
1: I think someone who has been through a lot, who is familiar with suffering and in pain and hardship, um, yet is filled with joy, and is others centered, makes people feel loved and encouraged. Um, someone who's like a light. Mm. That I think that would be the person I would most admire.
2: That's beautiful. Which is Bonnie and Kate. That was my answer. So <laughs> no, stop.
1: That's not true. <laughs> Described yourself.
2: To no. Um, I really appreciate people who who find a way to serve while actualizing a passion that's important to them. Mm. I think it's really important that if you're going to be following a lifestyle that's led by a passion, which is almost always I've found some sort of creative lifestyle that it's outward because if it's inward that gets really old, really fast. And I think, I think you can more than ever now see that. Yeah, because we're so connected. So I just really appreciate people who have this amazing genius or have this amazing set of skills or talents, but are using it not only to make a living and support their families and, you know, practical brass tack stuff, but even bigger, like have a a service oriented narrative in this like interconnected world that we all find ourselves in. So I think that's really important.
0: Beautiful. (laughs) What are you consuming right now that you love?
1: This is an odd thing, but children's books. Yes. I am the biggest, like, I love illustrations and colors and simplicity of children's books, you know, straight Mm -hmm. to the heart. Like, simple, poetic, vulnerable, and beautiful, like, just like a child. I love children's books. Um, Like, in the Airstream, (laughs) we don't have a lot of space, so we have to be very... uh, sourceful and creative with all of her space somehow
2: there's <laughs> an entire library
3: but yeah books.
1: i still have a ton of a ton of children's books in the mainstream. so i'm constantly pulling one down and being inspired by whether it's the colors mm. or the illustrations or just simple words of encouragement or it's beautiful just, yeah. That's really for
0: me. I love children's books right now too. Oh, really? And I and I don't plan on having kids anytime soon. No, oh no,
1: me either. And I (laughs) I have been
0: collecting them because they're they're so incredible. So actually, the guy who did my album artwork for my podcast, me with Uh like a little you know little cartoon of me, (laughs) uh, is a guy named Victor Huckabee, and he illustrated a book, a children's book, Victor. that Tony Pope Hale... Saint Victor. I know yeah, Pope St. Victor. Victor. Oh, we knew him. Incredible, He's incredible, right? I love, I love him. Man. Yes. Yeah, and so he he co-wrote or he co-created this children's book with Tony Hale from Arrested Development and V yep. <laughs> the best, funniest guy yes. on television. Yes. Um, and it's called Archibald's Next Big <gasps> Thing. Oh. And...
1: No, we were there. Okay. Yes. We, you know about this? He's yes. Had Archib-
2: t- yeah, and Victor's had Archibald for a long
0: time. Yes. Yes. Yes.
1: Oh, I'm so excited! So you can buy it now. It's you can out?
0: buy it now, and it's incredible, and it's this beautiful story of uh, contentedness yeah. and and being present where you're at. Yes. And it's I love the story it. of uh, of I think it's Tony Hale's story of being like oh, what's the next big thing that I'm doing? And he's doing uh-huh. all these incredible things, but he's so focused on yes. what's coming next. And yeah, you when you do that, you miss out. Yeah, and So it's now. it was the very first children's book I ever bought and it got me hooked. I was like, <laughs> I think I cried reading it. Oh,
1: I cry on a regular basis. It's such a simple
2: truth, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's such a medium that you can just really really ah, digest that. Okay, go yeah. go buy
1: that. So
2: Good so for Victor, good. I'm glad. I remember him telling me, I remember he had a little sketchbook and he would like, He'd be in meetings and stuff. He'd be, you know, he'd be drawing this yeah. like scene. I'm like, he's like, this is how I take notes, and I was just like, that's amazing. That's so how yeah. he does it. Yeah. He would meet with buddies in coffee shops and they'd draw together and uh-huh. like, oh, I love that dude. I haven't seen him in a long time. Okay, yeah. What so are you? Good.
1: What are you consuming, Max?
2: Um, so I've actually been consuming, which is a strange, a very strange thing, uh, some spoken word recently. Really. Because. Um, we're actually doing a speaking tour in a month. Incredible. For 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 three and a half weeks. Taking a
1: little break from Adventures for a bit. Um,
2: in like a bus, like not in the airstream, and I'll be doing a spoken word piece. Wow. So that's very new for me.
0: Who who are some of your favorites right now?
2: Um, man, a lot of it is or like there's this guy named uh, Anis uh, Mo- Mojahe- Mojahave uh, uh, Mojgani Mojgani, thank you. So we saw we saw him at like a To Write Love on His Arms concert with John yeah. Foreman. And- to- I know
1: exactly oh. that. Heavy and light tour, and he
2: does. Um,
1: his ba- I love how he does his hand. Like, yeah, come into this. And he does come shake closer. the dust,
2: yes.
0: which is my one of my all time favorite poems. Yes, I, don't know, if I know that yes. one. It, I mean- I, it, That's the one. That's he the need- performed
2: it, it there. That one? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. The then come I do know. One. It. Yeah, I love that. So I really love his stuff. I really love Propaganda from, like, the One I and love six. Propaganda. And he's then, so talented. He's so talented. And then, and then it's just a lot of, like, reading poetry, and then it's a lot of, honestly, it's just a lot of, like, like Vimeo. I, 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 don't, yeah. I don't know the artists. I mean, I know um, there's this one called Carved in Mayhem by a filmmaker called uh, Dan Defelice. Mm. I'm not sure I say his last name. But this these guys up in New York, and I know a couple of them loosely, but um but yeah there's just a lot of like vimeo videos i've been watching to ingest that and spend a lot of time in that space so i um i found myself in college a lot just like writing and often it would just come in the form of like either a journal or just like you know notes on your iphone like most people mm-hmm. do or even voice memoing sometimes it was a song uh, even though i don't really you know sing or have the best voice but it was just, there was something kind of shaking out and that needed to come out and it would just manifest itself. I don't think you really have a lot of control over that. And like I said, it's nine to five Then you kind of have to like get it out, you know, mm-hmm. and push it out as opposed to let it, you know, kind of manifest itself. So I was been spending a lot of time in that space because I'm performing a, a spoken word piece, um, on the speaking tour in the fall. That is a lot about, um, the shooting, observing my wife in pain, uh, my own struggle with, um, anxiety and ptsd fearing like being you know being in a public place and fearing some sort of mass shooting and so just it's a really really somber piece exploring the narrative of of a near miss and Mm. so so yeah i've been really ingesting a lot of spoken word lately which which i feel a little disingenuous saying that because this is not who i am but it's a new hat. I'm excited to try on.
0: That's really exciting. And we'll exciting. we'll see if it's
2: well received that's or not. That's huge. It's a little scary to be honest because yeah. I have so much respect for these people who do it and have done it for a long time and I'm a bit of an infant, but I I guess you don't know until you try. Yeah, so. you
0: got to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. And that's so we'll see. the best thing you can do is you can step into the things that freak you out. You grow, man.
2: That <laughs> tension's huge. good. That that now and not yet. John Foreman writes a lot about that. It's just mm-hmm. like that's where that's where the grind is. And so so I'm very out of my comfort zone. And very scared, um, which I think is important to vocalize because I think we're all that way when we're on the brink of something, Yeah, you know, not even big, just something new, which could be big.
0: Yeah. My last question, based on the ways you've chosen to step out and live your life differently, what's one thing you'd encourage someone else to do in their own life today?
1: Take time to pick flowers quite literally. Um... Don't, like, miss little things. Uh, It's so easy to, like, get caught up in stress. Or for me, it's, like, more intense, like, pain or something like that. But um, take time to, like, enjoy a good meal or look up at the clouds or ingest a beautiful sunset or drink a really good cup of tea or um, laugh really hard. Like, don't skip the little things in life. And for me, that's usually picking flowers.
0: (laughs) And you're saying that with wildflowers in your hair as (laughs) we speak.
1: I always had to have some sort of flowers in my hair. Mm -hmm. They bring me so much joy.
2: Based on the lifestyle we found ourselves in, which in large part has been our choice, but definitely, and I think in a larger part, things out of our control have shaped the narrative we're currently living. I would say a brass tacks, tactical, now- action item next step thing that someone could do would be to if you haven't already get your head around your dream or idea flush it out assuming you have done that go through the worst case scenario literally write out all your worst fears vomit out okay well if this doesn't happen or if the investors back out or if this happens or if that happens like literally vomit out every single inroad of the worst things that could happen And I think when you take a step back and do that, it's really not that bad. And you're not, you know, like it's, I think if you spend some time in that space and be like, okay, you know what? Like worst case scenario, I vocalize this goal to the world and it doesn't come to pass and I move on from it and whatever. I think whatever the fears we have that hold us back from actualizing a dream are much bigger in our head than they are on paper. So I think getting them on paper puts them into perspective and frees you up to create and push and grind and get the thing done that in all actuality will probably work and probably will be amazing and probably put a dent in the cultural narrative of of whatever industry you find yourself in so I would say vocalize those fears put them on paper and then keep them in their place (laughs) keep them on paper
1: (laughs) keep going for your dreams you know put them
2: put them in a box in your closet whenever things get really scary open it up and be like okay like, this is the worst that could happen, and it hasn't happened yet.
0: I love that you guys kind of have similar answers to that question. It's <laughs> it's kind of two ends of the same thing. It's, uh-huh. it's the idea of, like, pay attention to the little things, pick like, enjoy those moments, and then it's like, don't get overwhelmed
2: by the big things because they're mm-hmm. not
0: that big.
3: Yeah, and they're, not, and they're
2: often not real. They're not real. They're they're often just in our head. Mm-hmm. And, like, they carry so much stock, you know? They getting them so out, weight.
1: especially too. Even if it's just for yourself, but for other people, like putting people around your life, like saying, these are my fears or something. A lot of time it gives us so much perspective. Like there's been lots of times where we're like, ah, like, what are we doing? This is crazy. and How are we going to make a life on the people, road? What if
2: our Airstream wrecks tomorrow? Yeah, what, like, if you, what if this? What if that? There's so many mm-hmm.
1: of those, but it's like really good. We've had so many amazing people. Like I'm thinking of my sister and my brother-in-law right now yeah. being like, no, go for this. You got this. Like, you know, these fears really aren't as big as maybe you feel like they are. Mm. And there's so much potential in you and go for it.
2: Yeah. You need cheerleaders, man, to, to keep you going whenever you doubt yourself. We all do it. Like we all doubt Absolutely. ourselves, you know, you need someone yeah. being like, Hey bro, like you are qualified. You are gifted. Like, And I'm
1: here for you too. I'm here
2: for you. Like don't give up. I'll be mad at you if you give up. Like I'm not gonna let you give up. Mm. Like you need people in your life. So I think, yeah, that's helpful. <laughs> and crucial <laughs> yeah. to have that.
0: Man. Well, if people want to follow along with what you guys are up to, if they want to keep in touch, if they want to uh, tune in for your upcoming YouTube channel,
2: where can they do all of that? Our YouTube channel is called Adventurous. And so you can find it on YouTube. It's Adventurous, so Adventure Space US. Um, the Instagram for Adventurous is Be Adventurous. So B E mm-hmm. Adventure US. My personal Instagram, Max, is Be Like The Fox. And then Bonnie Cates is. Bonnie Kate Z. Yep, Bonnie Kate Z. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's where you can find our stuff. We yeah. should be should be launching here soon.
0: And so. everything you guys share is so refreshing <laughs> and beautiful, and it's exactly what this podcast is all about. So if you like this podcast, you're gonna love
3: Bonnie <laughs> Kate and
2: Max. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for having us, man. This has I been know. like such a spontaneous treat. This is amazing.
1: It's so, been so good, fun. <laughs> man.
2: Appreciate you. Thank you guys. Thanks, bud. Thank
1: you.
0: Sounds good with Brandon Harvey is part of the Gradient Podcast Network and is created in collaboration between me, Brandon Harvey, and Gradient. Check them out at gradient.is. That's gradient.is. How incredible was that story, everyone? Seriously, thank you so much to each of you who tuned into the podcast this week. If this is your first time listening, subscribe to the show to get a new inspiring story downloaded straight to your phone next week if you really connected with this episode, let's talk about it. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram with the username at Brandon Harvey. That's Brandon with an E-N. And with that, that's a wrap for this week's podcast. I'll see you online and I'll talk to you next week when we get the opportunity to learn from another inspiring person. Sound good?